Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we'll look back at Fulham's unhappy Easter as we saw a lame, lacklustre, lifeless, at times Parker-esque, dare I say, performance against West Ham at Craven Cottage. A 1-0 win for the Hammers. Their first win on the road since August. Their first clean sheet on the road since August. It's a little bit of a shambles. We might be safe, but we've got to do better than that, surely. Here to dissect everything in yesterday's game is Farrell Monk. Hello. Hello, Sammy. Hello, everyone. Cam Ramsey. Hello. Good day. And he's back. Paul Cooper. Hello. Hello, guys. Right. Well, um, we're a little bit glum this morning. Four defeats in a row in the league, five defeats in all competitions. Um, we'll go over everything that happened in uh, in yesterday's game in uh, as much forensic detail as we can. Before that, though, let's do some three-word reviews as ever. Farrell, what have you got? Uh, I'm going to take everyone on a journey. I usually do Twitter, but I'm going to do Instagram today for a change. Um, there was some, there were some, there were some pretty decent ones. Uh, there was quite a few probably recycled from the, uh, reverse fixture earlier in the season. There was quite a few people with a West Ham United, but I don't, uh, I think, I think that might've been actually the podcast name at the time. So we might not reuse that one again. Yeah. Uh, might, might confuse the Spotify and the podcast <laughs> <laughs> ones. Um, there were WH, uh, Sprats with forever blowing chances, uh, which I quite liked, uh, but there weren't actually that many chances to blow, really. Yeah. Uh, 30B's Reed saves Moyes. Uh, and I'll finish with uh, Jay Griff Sue. I don't know actually if that's how to say it, but Hammer and Fickle. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, nice to switch up the old three word review platform. We've had a few complaints from uh, some people on Instagram and Facebook. Why do you never read our three word reviews? So um, we're on a mission to uh, to give everyone the three word review love that they deserve. Next week, we'll go to MySpace. Yeah, uh, Friendster, uh, Bebo. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll put three word reviews on all the platforms. Um, there's got to be somewhere on the dark web, hasn't there, where that we can put three word reviews for uh, for those that are inclined to uh, really <laughs> give their worst three word reviews. Um, we'll we'll try that for next time. Um, Cam, just your overall thoughts, really, on this season where we're going. Um, it's one thing to be grateful that we're safe, and I am. Don't get me wrong, 39 points. I would rather this than all of the dogfight that's down there and be one of those teams right now. But also, I feel like it's okay, or is it, to still bemoan performances like yesterday? You know, we all turn up to Craven Cottage. We know that we're a better team than West Ham. You could clearly see that West Ham weren't that good yesterday. And I mean, I don't, apart from Pereira at the end, we barely had a chance. And, and that's not good enough. What, no matter what position you're in in the table, it's just not. I mean, the last couple of weeks have really taken the wind out of our sails. 
Um, obviously, the defeat at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, it <laughs> it took a turn for the worse in the space of about 30 seconds and uh, a complete head loss from there. And we don't, haven't really seemed to have recovered from it. Um, we seem to have uh, gone into games with a lack of enthusiasm and uh, it's certainly bled into Saturday's performance as well. Um, it, we just didn't look interested at all and a terrible team beat a team which really couldn't be asked on the day if we're being fragrantly honest with ourselves. Um, it's just the way that we administered possession. We had, what, over 630-odd passes, didn't we? And, I don't know, countless crosses that were just flung hopelessly into Fabianski's uh, penalty area with no real direction or purpose whatsoever. It just felt a little bit thrown together and slapdash. And uh, quite obviously, something needs to change. And yes... We've done remarkably well this season in staving off the drop. I mean, we're not... Well, I know mathematically we could very well still be safe, but it feels like we still we can still get sucked into a, a difficult uh, a difficult end to the season where we could just be languishing around that kind of uh, 14th, 15th mark and uh, get a little bit tetchy. But I agree that the fact that we don't really want to be sitting here on podcast for the rest of the season going, oh, well, it's another expected loss. You know, it's it's another it's another performance which we saw coming. We've got to have some resolve and some solution to the way that we're approaching these games, um, because at the end of the day, you want to finish strongly, don't you? You don't want to you don't you don't want the season to ebb out on a low and have that looming over you in the summer as well. I'm thinking, do you know what? Without key players, <laughs> we're a lost cause. So I'd like to see us play with a little bit more gumption and gusto in the, in, in the coming weeks and just for everything we've got at these these teams that we should rightfully be beating. I mean, West Ham, they were a team that were there for the taking. All right. This is a team that got drubbed 5-1 comprehensively midweek and they look so shaky and they look so insecure. And this is, they're, they're, they're baying for blood. They, they want Moyes out of the club. It's, it, it's, it's turmoil there at the moment. And we allowed them to set up shop after they got their fortunate goal and we did nothing to remedy ourselves. So, yeah, I think Silver and his coaching staff have a little bit of work to do midweek just to try and uh, revitalise us a little bit. I mean, Paul, um, you had a great vantage point yesterday. You were telling us before the podcast that you were that you were sitting in the Riverside. So um, you probably had the best view of the house of um, why Fulham weren't able to get back into this game. Did you just feel like when West Ham went 1-0 up that... That's it. It, it was, seemed so simple that just like one goal and there just looked like no way of Fulham getting back into that match yesterday. Yeah, there's a feeling you get right, you know, deep in your stomach. You kind of know that's it. You know, there are just certain games where you know that's it and whatever happens, still going to be one nil. We ain't going to score. Shambles of a goal. Um, and after Man United, I was really hoping for kind of siege mentality. Everyone was so angry. And I really thought that we would go into the games, you know, with, with some real gusto. And But it hasn't been the case. It's it's just like a kind of pricked balloon. And the game reminded me of that kind of, you know, the Dan Byrne Man United game. I think it was the most crosses ever in a premiership game. Yeah. Just, you know, never mind the quality. Just feel the width. Just keep knocking it in, knocking it in. And the only thing we seem to have, you know, we get the ball and we play quite nicely and we get the ball five yards from the penalty area and we either tried a long shot that got blocked uh, by the first man or just kind of aimlessly chipped in. You know, it's just, it, it, it was, 
you know, there was just no way we were coming back. It was so lackluster. Um, and then the mistakes at the back were, were, you know, we could have been three or four down, you know, with, with those mistakes. They were horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, even Tosino, I thought was my man of the match and, um, he made one and, uh, you know, Reem, it was, it, it was damn poor. I mean, if, if, if they had their shooting boots on, that could have been severely embarrassing. Yeah, hundred percent. There was definitely a few moments yesterday where against, I think my, my dad, my dad actually said it coming out of the ground. He said, if that had been against anyone that wasn't West Ham, maybe about 15 of the other 20 teams in the Premier League, we'd lost three or four nils a day. If we'd have tried to put in that performance against Brighton or Brentford or someone like that, even let alone a top six side, that would have been, you know, a really shambolic day at the end. But fortunately, because it was West Ham, it was uh, it was kept to one. Um, Farrell, um, we saw each other uh, in the pub afterwards and um, you came to the bar overhearing me ranting at someone. And basically I said, well, if we can't win that game, I don't know what game we're going to win for the rest of the season. And you actually came in and you said, I've just been having that conversation with someone outside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll say it again. If we can't beat West Ham at home, who were there absolutely for the taking, I thought they looked woeful. There was no plan. They didn't press us. We um, bossed them in the middle. They were just, they were wayward passes all over the shop. If we can't win that game, you know, I'm looking now at the fixtures. Goodison against a, a, a Dyche side that's like desperate to stay in the Premier League, a lead side that's improving, Villa, who are on this amazing run. Then it's City and Liverpool. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom here, but we could be looking at like eight, nine defeats in a row. And I mean, that's really going to take the gloss off the season. So we came up against this West Ham team who they decide to switch up their style a little bit. And obviously David Moyes does, does have a, this reputation of a quite defensive style, but this it, it seemed yesterday that was the ultimate defensive style. And it really did work for them. And we really struggled to break them down. But, you know, that's going going over it over same things that you guys have already already gone on to. It kind of reminds me of the season, uh, uh, the second to last one in the Premier League, the first time around under Martin Yarr, where we were kind of fine, but we sort of just limped towards the end of the season. I think our only win towards the end of the season was literally the last game away at Swansea. Um, and the season kind of just finished with just a bit of a patter. And that kind of uh, carried over into the next season when. We didn't start well. Our form wasn't good and we ended up getting relegated that season. I'm not for one suggesting that we are looking at staring at relegation next season, but it's just the worry has started to, to creep in a little bit that the good feelings and and everything that's happened in the first half of the season is kind of, is now a little bit of a distant memory. You know, we are looking at four defeats in a row in games that, you know, were we good value for in those games? Probably not really. Uh, and yesterday was kind of a, a carryover of that. We are without our best attacking option in Alexander Mitrovic at the moment. That's gonna that's going to hurt a lot of sides. However, my my problem is is that we haven't tried to change the style to sort of suit a different style of play, which does work for a lot of the time. But if you have a ready-made replacement um to sort of slot in instead of Mitrovic, but I'm you know. I I don't mind Vinicius as much, but he's not Alexander Mitrovic. He'll try his best, and you know he can't arguably carved out the the best chance of the game when he slid it through to Andres Pereira. But you know it, it reminds me of the time when Brian McBride got injured 
um, under Laurie Sanchez. And he was like, well, we want to play exactly the same way. Uh, so we'll just try and bring in anyone to sort of who, who suits that sort of style. And we brought in Shefki Kuchi instead, which was a complete disaster, really. Mm. I'm not saying, I think Vinicius is better than Shefki Kuchi, but it does remind me a little bit of that. It just was made us even more blunt. We should probably try and try and uh, mix up a little bit. But to be honest, I think West Ham were prepared for that. I think they they knew that we were going to try and play exactly the same way, try and fire in balls into the box and create a bit of havoc. But they dealt with everything because it was going into Vinicius, who isn't Mitrovic. And it just it just worked really, really well for them and didn't work for us. We came up against lots of sides, though, last year that travelled to Craven Cottage with the game plan of sitting back and, and Fulham had to, to break them down. And, and we did it so well, so many times. We, it, we, we batted off teams with ease. And I know that like West Ham are obviously going to do it slightly better than Peterborough. But still, I, I just looked at Fulham's patterns of play yesterday and there were so many times where it was screaming for the pass inside the full, between the fullback and the centre-back for Fulham to get to the byline and cause some havoc. We did it so many times last season where we, we didn't do that many crosses from deep. Yes, we did some, but our biggest like play last year was to get to the ball to the byline, pull it back and cause some havoc. I don't think we did it once yesterday. It's just seems so repetitive. Get the ball within this kind of vicinity of the penalty box and try and put in a cross. And, and of course, like, Tons of those crosses just went to the back post where there was nobody there. But whilst you can blame Robinson and a little bit Cedric Suarez for kind of some of the aimless crossing that, that they did, they're not the ones coming up and cooking the game plan. Surely Silver and his team need to look at the attacking way that we're playing and, and think of a better idea than that. We could all see it from the stands. I don't know what they're watching, where, where I was just crying out, someone please go to the byline, please, for the love of God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely true. I mean, we had nobody on the pitch yesterday that really wanted to break the passing lines um, and obviously to cause a bit of problems on the byline um, to size the man up and uh, get past them, at least get into the penalty area. And if that is the case, to uh, maybe draw 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 contact from a player. Um, everything was in front of them um, and they set up accordingly to obviously withstand that. And it was it was a training regime for them, really. Um you're there, and with the pace that we've got out wide, particularly with Robinson, and obviously when Solomon came on as well, he's he's a master at um, at, at shimmying past his uh, past his direct marker. It wasn't enough of it, and uh, when we did um, steal, steal a march on steal a march on, the, on an opponent, we just kind of checked back on ourselves, and it seems very very uh, very tentative, unsure. Um, and that goes to the attacking options as well. I, you know, if 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 you've got no one in the penalty area to actively pick out, then what's the point? You know, I, I'm sure that the, the players, especially Robinson and Suarez, recognise that they can't just go humping balls into the box if there's three or four West Ham West Ham defenders sitting there to literally banish it as soon as it comes in, or Fabianski comes to claim it without any trouble whatsoever. It, they they just floated innocuously past any on-rushing Fulham attacker, which was incidentally around about 20 yards away from the run of play anyway. You know, um, our attacking options are sparse, really. And I completely agree with Farrell that in the coming weeks, we need to ditch a lone striker. I don't think it's working whatsoever without Mitrovic. Vinicius just isn't that guy. He's not strong enough to 
dictate play in the final third. He doesn't show for possession like Mitrovic does. So you're kind of looking at maybe having a bit more of pace running through the middle to at least distract defenders more than Vinicius does because he's so easy to mark. If you've got somebody that can play off the shoulder and you've got, got somebody that plays in the holes nicely and just uh, keeps play rotating and then that introduces your wide players more as well, then it's a no-brainer, but that's implementing it now. you know, And that's going to be a tough thing to do because we've already seen this season, sadly, when BDR's played up top as kind of like a false nine, he gets drowned out as well. So mm. where do we go? <laughs> you know, yeah. what's our next plan of action? You know, it, it just seems that we're stuck in a conundrum and dilemma at the moment, which is going to be difficult for us to worm a way out of. Um, and yesterday it proved that we just had no bite whatsoever. And when, when you sink your teeth into teams, you want to lock on and you want to shake, don't you? You want to make sure that you are really on top and you are dominating. But we barely nipped them yesterday, you know. There, was, there wasn't there was even any semblance of threat, you know, or jeopardy in our play at all. And for a Premier League team that is maybe going through a sticky patch like we are at the moment, you still want to show some intent. And we just had nothing whatsoever. And it's just so easy for teams to prepare for a Fulham game because we have no plan B or no, no alternative. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, Paul, just coming on to West Ham's goal, um, I didn't really pick up on it at the time um but is that not a handball from from Sufal in the in the build-up I don't know if you've watched the highlights back but I mean he quite clearly controls it with the inside of of his arm I mean Jack uh jokingly mentioned in our preview pod that um there is of course the West Ham Fulham rule where West Ham are allowed to use their hands uh, in build-ups to goals so I guess we knew the rules going into the match and we shouldn't have been surprised that that's how West Ham's goal came about. But it is getting a bit annoying, this rule, that um, they, they seem to be allowed to use other limbs than we are um, in order to score goals. Yeah, do you think that should, should have been disallowed? Yeah, handball for me, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, as you say, the West Ham thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's quite quite extraordinary. You know, if someone sat you down before the game and said, yeah, you know, the goal uh, that um is going to beat us is is another handball in the play, in the in the build up. Uh, well, you probably wouldn't be surprised to be yeah. honest. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the I mean the only thing that made it better is at least it wasn't Chris Kavanagh Farrell that uh, that made that decision. <laughs> I think that would have been the ultimate um insult. Uh, I I mean, I don't want to like excuse Fulham's poor performance because like where handball or not Farrell, like Fulham didn't play well enough, but it is, it is quite frustrating. But then again, I also did watch the highlights of Spurs Brighton yesterday and I feel Ooh. like, hmm, um, I mean, we didn't quite get done to that degree, but it is just, it is just annoying, isn't it? And I don't really understand what VAR is checking for. I mean, I, 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 that seems blatant to me. Can I, I think, forgetting VAR for a second, does anyone actually definitively understand the handball rule no. anymore? Um, there was, I mean, there was one that went in Fulham's uh, benefit at the Crystal Palace game away where I was absolutely certain that the one that Mitrovic headed onto his own arm before Tim Ream slammed it home was going to be ruled out and it wasn't. And I'm like, how, that is just, it's crazy that we have a handball rule that says that is okay. I mean, but there's nothing necessarily... The rule is so complicated now that does do referees, does VAR, 
do the fans do the players actually understand what the what the what the handball rule is i'm not i'm not entirely sure but i mean it, it it's going to sound really really regressive but no one really had a complaint with the previous handball rule that was in operation for 20 20 30 years why it didn't necessarily need to change and they've added so many convoluted caveats to it that it's no longer understood by the people watching and it just makes it, it just means that we'll come on podcasts we'll talk to our friends we'll talk to people watching the game and then going why wasn't that ruled down we're like well I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure really <laughs> it's, it's because what technology has done is it's enabled now it's it means that we expect perfection it's because now like maybe 10 years ago when VAR wasn't in place, we'd have seen that goal. We might've even seen the handball on the replay when we watched it later. We'd have been maybe oh, a bit annoying. The referee didn't spot that, but happy, no, none of us in the ground spotted it really at the time that it mm, happened. I yeah. certainly didn't. And I had a reasonably decent view of it in the Hammersmith end. And we go, we shrug our shoulders and go like, okay, well, you know, a human missed it. Like that humans miss things. Yeah. But now because VAR operates on such a perfection level for some goals, but yet, these kind of goals when no, that's not, that's not clear and obvious. And it seems to now, basically, as far as I can understand the rule, it's um, only the player that scores. If they handball it, then, then it's disallowed. Uh, you saw it yesterday. One of Brighton's goals got disallowed because it was the player that uh, I think it was Matoma, I think who, uh, who handballed it, then put it in the net. So that's, but that was, a, you know, less of a handball than what Sufal did. It, I mean, that kind of touched the top of his shoulder really. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's baffling and it's hard to know. I think, I mean, it, it harks back to the original days of sort of when VAR was first put in that, it was so many things were uh, analysed within their life before a decision was made that you'd expect something like that happened yesterday that, well, they would have taken it back and gone like, well, that was a slight handball, so therefore we're just going to rule it out. Whereas now they're doing this clear and obvious, um, and which I, you know, I do agree to a certain extent, but, um, you know, it's almost as if they didn't think it through before they implemented it. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they didn't think anything through when it uh, when it came to, to VAR. Um, Paul, obviously, Andreas Pereira had the chance, didn't he? Um, he just missed. I think he miscontrols it. I don't know if he's quite meaning to go round Fabianski like he did. I think it's a heavy touch. Um, I don't necessarily think going round the keeper was the wrong decision there. Or do you think he should have just first time banged it past him? Yeah, I, well, I think either that. I think either hit it first time, and I just wonder because it was on his left, uh, his left foot, wasn't it? I think uh, mm. you know he wanted to get it onto his right, or yeah. But it was, yeah. My, the feeling, the the initial feeling was he should have hit it first time. Yeah, um, and it's a great little ball through as well, you know, from Vinicius. He's done a few of those, uh, and I thought in the first half there were some nice little touches by it, you know. Um, and that should have been a goal, you know. I mean, that 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 should that was our best chance by far. I can't really remember anything else. The extended highlights on the Fulham website was only four minutes long. <laughs> that tells you how much actually ha- actually how much uh, happened in the game, really. Yeah, I mean, it was fairly just drab, wasn't it? There was lots of like moments where you were like, Fulham might score now, Fulham might score now. No, no, nothing. And it just kind of just came and went. It just it was one of those games, Cam, that just time went so fast suddenly I remember looking at the clock in the second half I was like 
There was only 20 minutes left. I can't remember a single thing that's happened. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was just such boring football, wasn't it? <laughs> it's so banal. Yeah. And um, <laughs> touching on that Pereira opportunity, for me, that's a shoot on site scenario. You've got an unrushing keeper. Mm. And all you really need to do is just place it either side of him. You don't even need to rocket it. And I think with that first touch and uh, when he tried to round the keeper, Fabianski read it a mile off. He knew exactly what Pereira was going to do there. You know, it's an unrushing keeper, empty net. He's Pereira's right to want to get round the keeper and just tap it home. But I think in that scenario, you just need to get the ball home. And if I, I mean, we all play football. Obviously, I'm not a Premier League football player by any stretch of the imagination. But if I was in that situation, right foot or left foot, you've just got to you've just got to roll that past the keeper. It's as simple as that, and it it really did cost us a point, and it would have been an unjust point as well. But you kind of need to pick up, um, you know, these draws wherever you can do, especially in the predicament we're in at the moment. But yeah, time time flew by, and I'm glad it did. <laughs> you are really you are um, you are Atletico Buble's prime bags man, Cam. Don't put yourself down here. You know, I think <laughs> if you say that he needed to shoot on sight, then I'm going to tr- trust your judgment there, Cam. No one else that would rather tell me he needed to. But like you say, I'm I'm kind of glad that it that, that the game just went past it. You know, almost a blink of an eye kind of state because uh, it was a lovely day, lovely day for a pub garden, wasn't it? So uh, I guess we could drown our sorrows in a in sunny splendour, really. So um, yeah, I'm, what else can you say other than that? Yeah, how just quickly, how are Atletico Buble doing this season? Has it been a good year for the boobs? Uh, we're doing all right. Um, I'm actually waiting on an MRI scan on my knee. Oh um, no, so I, I haven't played football in ages um, since since basically the beginning of the season. Funnily enough. Um, I ended up twatting it going in for a 50-50 challenge and ever since then I've never been able to run on it so I'm waiting on the NHS to get back to me but we're doing okay mid-table consolidarity it's alright Oh, it sounds very similar to Fulham there, you know, missing their missing their big man up top and uh, <laughs> kind of mid-table mediocrity. There's a lot of similarities between uh, between your Sunday league team and, uh, and Fulham this year. Well, exactly. look, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to get into some of your questions. Hello, it's Sammy here. Now, if you're looking for a VPN to watch football matches and TV shows which aren't available in your region, or maybe you're looking to save money by purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price, then we've got an amazing deal with NordVPN where you can get a massively discounted rate plus four free months by heading to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Now, I genuinely use NordVPN loads. Uh, For instance, back in October, I was in America for the Aston Villa game, which was on Amazon Prime. Now, I have a subscription to Amazon Prime, but obviously I was in the States, so I simply logged on to NordVPN, switched my country back to the UK and I was able to watch the lads leave Steven Gerrard's managerial career in tatters. A subscription to NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month and you can use one account on up to six devices. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months all for free. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find all the details at Nord vpn.com slash Fulhamish. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast it is Sammy here with Paul Cooper, Farrell Monk and Cam Ramsey. Uh, just a quick thank you to everyone that continues to back Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community. Uh, we're super grateful to everyone that uh, helps contribute to Fulham-ish 
financially um, and, and helps us to keep all of our pods, articles and videos going. Uh, if you enjoy the pod, if you get a lot out of it and you'd like to support us, uh, we'd hugely appreciate it. Uh, you can find all the links uh, in the description of this podcast or you can go to fullamish.co.uk forward slash support. Uh, as a bonus, you get access to our Telegram chats, uh, three different Telegram chats, uh, one kind of generally talking about Fulham. There's our tickets, pubs and away days chat. And there's also uh, a transfers chat, which uh, is starting to hot up as uh, a few rumours start uh, coming in, uh, just trickling through now uh, as to who Fulham might be signing this summer. So yeah, if you'd like to support us, uh, then we'd hugely appreciate it. But if you can't or don't want to, then don't worry. Everything remains 100% free. Let's get into some of your questions. And I'm going to start off from this one uh, from Kevin Gower. Farrell, I'll go to you. Uh, if the West Ham game was still going on right now, would we actually have managed to score yet? So frustrated. <laughs> uh probably not um (laughs) the yeah i've been thinking about this like while cam was just talking there about um before about the game and we just weren't really creating much and all you know whatever apart from the Pereira chance there was west i mean credit the more i think about it the more i think that west ham credit to west ham like they really did know what our game plan was and stifle it out as much as possible. They played really compact when we had the ball at the back. They really stifled, in particular, Tim Ream's passing. Um, they stopped, they sort of like compressed in the, especially they used their, utilised their wingers. Jared Bowen uh, was was really good on on the right-hand side about just squeeze, knowing when to squeeze in and stop in the passing lane. He did actually cut out Tim Ream's passes maybe three or four times when you'd expect him Ream just to, you know, find find his man that he was going for. And, you know, they were they were really well set up and they really did stop us. They they stopped any sort of Anthony Robinson long, lung busting runs down the left hand side trying to create space. Um and I don't think there was anything that Fulham could have done um with our with our general play yesterday that really would have broken us down. It would have just taken a bit of Parker ball style magic, you know, a howitzer from 30 yards or, you know, to, to sort of break the deadlock. Um, yeah, I think if it was still that West Ham team, we'll probably, you know, would, it just still would have ended up being no goals for Fulham really. Yeah. I mean, Cam, um, Neil Stewart asks, uh, teams press us high and we can't cope. Teams go into a low block and we revert to Parker ball. Does Marco have any options to work around this. I mean, you kind of mentioned that we need to maybe go nuclear, go try and think of a, a, a plan B. I mean, what would your plan B be? I mean, I guess my plan B would uh, to be a lot more assertive and intrusive and not sit off these teams, which are quite obviously uh, as, 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 as weak and as fallible as, as we are at the moment. Um, I've always maintained that if it's not working and we know it's not working, you've got to fix it. You know, it's all well and good saying if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But quite obviously, this is a, this is a strategy which is limping at the moment. And I'd like us to implement a higher press ourselves, you know, to implement a high block and to have BDR, to have Andreas Pereira, to have our wingers squeeze in as much as possible as we're trying to hound opposition defenders just to just to hurry them along a little bit and obviously just to 
or just to maintain territory. But would um, you not have any personnel change? Would you not um, like look at this and be like, we can't go into the next few games with this same well, kind of just Pereira behind Vinicius and then a couple I'll, of wingers. I'll, I'll take Vinicius out of the squad. I, I understand he's actually did okay yesterday. I've got to take my hat off to him. He's created a key opportunity, which wasn't stuck away. But I'll take him out of the squad. I would personally put um, BDR as a false nine. Okay, I'd have Andreas Pereira in close contention with him so they can play off one another. All right. I would have um, Solomon come back into the first team proper. All right. Um, I thought William did okay yesterday with um, the way he carries the ball across the pitch. It just introduces his teammates to uh, get involved a little bit more as well. He's not so linear with his play. That's fine. Um, and I, I don't really think he can change much else. I mean, we weren't fantastic yesterday, but we were still solid and sound enough just to hold on. I still think that we're a fairly well-drilled team, even with key players like Mitro missing. I still think that there's good value here. It's just making it pay now. So, like I say, as good and as you know, as, as much as I want Vinny to succeed at the club like most people do, I think that we just need to switch up in the final third and maybe be a tiny bit more creative and not so di- direct in that respect. So, yeah, that, that's that's what I'd do. I'll just implement, implement a higher press for us just so we're not necessarily camped back on the edge of our 18 and allowing teams to obviously attack us with, um, with, with a press which constricts us. So... <laughs> that's a hard thing to that's a hard thing to introduce as well and yeah. you know it's going to be a job it's going to be a job for them to do so I mean Paul I liked Jack's suggestion on the Thursday club where he suggested Solomon go up front I wonder if something just bold like that for the Everton game like he, surely he's Marco cannot not look at Saturday's performance and just give us more of the same like he's gonna like you know he's obviously in the best position to decide what that is but like would you would you support Marco just doing something a little bit off the wall, even if it like blows up spectacularly? It's better to have tried something than just to kind of keep going down this monotonous try it again, lose meekly um, kind of style. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think we've got those players, as you say, Solomon uh, or William. Um, you know, I'd have liked to seen us kind of dribble into the box. You know, let's just let's give it a go. You know, we were just passing the ball, you know, as we say, pass, Parker-esque across the box, but, you know, just getting into the box, dribble, and you, you, we might have a, we might have a, you know, a penalty or whatever, you know, especially against mm. someone like West Ham. I think they would have panicked incredibly if, if we'd started dribbling a bit more into the box. But, I, you know, anywhere, anytime we got to the box, there was just nothing going forward. Everything was going, going sideways, waiting for a kind of cross. So, um, yeah, get them to dribble you know you know yeah. people defenders hate that let's 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 try so maybe solomon or even william or something you know it's a kind of well you part. saw yesterday that there was a moment where actually fulham did kind of have a bit of a dribble in the box and um creswell and ogbonna nearly contributed to a, a, an awful mistake and and ended up only going for a corner but you could see that there was panic in the West Ham defenders' eyes if we did run at them. It just happens so infrequently. Um, Farrell, I know you wanted to chime in here. Yeah, I think I don't think necessarily a huge overhaul of the starting eleven is and the, and would actually or the or the shape would actually change 
is is my sort of thinking here. I think there's just a few minor things that we probably just need to to improve. Very rarely were our wingers isolated up against the fullback in a one-on-one situation to be able to to find the space because they always they always had like two players around and it was going to be difficult to get around them. Um I think one of the one of the key things that we didn't do enough of is when the cross came in and they were uh, and West Ham didn't clear their lines properly. It was always another West Ham player on the end of the second ball there. And mm-hmm. there was a point in, I think it was in the second, early in the second half. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but you can tell that they were telling Polinia to come up a bit more when those crosses were coming in, not getting into the box, but his starting position should have been five, 10 yards further forward so that he can win that second ball. Um, yeah. It almost happened when with Kearney, um, where the it was a cross that came in and he was there to head it and probably should have done a bit better yeah, with that header. But that, yeah. but that was the kind of things that I think Silver probably told them at halftime. Um, and yeah, I think that those sorts of like two, in two little things that we could have done would probably have changed our fortunes a little bit. If we could find a way of isolating the fullbacks... Uh, so that William or Solomon can attack them a bit more and having people just following up. Um, I don't think necessarily um, Vinicius could have done a huge lot more. The two centre-backs were pretty much winning everything off those crosses, but we needed someone to be following up a bit more. Kenny's not going to be doing that every single time. Reed was not doing it at all when he was on the pitch. And Pelinia, we know how good he is. We know his strength or whatnot. He had Declan Rice on, who is a, incredibly talented player on toast um, pretty much all that game. Um, all he just needed to do was just be a bit more confident to be able to say, okay, this one's going to be headed out, anticipate it and and attack it and create a bit of chaos in the box. Um, I think we would have got a bit more joy. I, d- I think with Everton next weekend, um, they need a win. So they are going to be playing a bit more openly, you'd, you'd expect. Um, so maybe we do have a bit more of a mobile forward to to counteract that. Um, yeah. I don't think Silver's going to do that, but it, we'll see. I don't think I'd be too disappointed if we do go for a BDR or or a Solomon or a Harrison Reed up top. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Harrison Reed, next question. I'll come to you on this one, Paul. James Brody asks, "Why does Harrison Reed keep getting subbed? I thought we missed his energy in the second half. He is also a willing runner to try and break through the defence." Um, I'm going to slightly disagree with James, and I thought that was the right sub at half time. I thought that Harrison Reed just sometimes has those games where I don't think he's as effective, and it, it they they come once every six, once every seven. It's certainly nothing to be worried about, but. I thought the Tom Kearney sub did work yesterday, yeah. but interested to know your thoughts. I, I thought he had a good first half, actually, without being particularly creative. I think he was everywhere on the pitch and, you know, tackling and, and linked uh, quite a bit of stuff. So I was actually quite surprised, but mm. glad to see Kearney on the pitch. Um, and I think maybe in, you know, I think the next game, I think I'd like to see Kenny start. I just think we need to just freshen that up because we've got two kind of defensive kind of midfielders there. And I just think we need to be more on the front foot and looking for those passes, you know, and, and Kenny's probably the, the person to deliver that pass into the box, you know, as opposed mm. to crossing all the time, you know. So. Did, did you see that analysis that someone did about uh, forward thinking midfielders in Europe 
And it was yeah. like a, a metric of like key passes per 90 and key passes or something total. And he was like the fifth best midfielder in the country, in the in Europe at, uh, at the moment. It shows yeah, how much he can bring to this team. Uh, Premier League's forward thinking passes and yeah basically it's one of those kind of spread charts um, and it's only Zinchenko Fernandez, and Jorginho Arsenal only in brackets um, who are more productive passers uh, in the Premier League what I enjoyed was that uh, is, it, is it Tom Kearney's cousin uh, Jack uh, was the one that actually retweeted it and just said not shocked with the yawn emoji <laughs> um, so uh, I think we know Jack's thick feelings on that maybe Kearney should be getting uh, a few more minutes there than he is um, I, I just think he I think he came on yesterday and looked classy. I think those kind of games do suit Kearney where actually they weren't really closing him down. He had time to kind of get his passing t- together. I think those second halves, that's why I thought that the sub, maybe the only one I would have, you, you could have actually taken off Pereira at half time and brought on Kearney for Pereira and maybe seen Kearney go a little bit higher. I just, that's the only one that sometimes you wonder if we did get to see the trio of Polina, Reed, Kearney. I would like to see that a little bit more often. You get to keep Harrison's re- Reed's dynamism. And and this is not a slight on Pereira, but I mean, Cam, he is having a tough time, it feels like at the moment. And um, whilst obviously his set piece ability is, is incredible, it's not like we don't have other players in the team that can take a good corner or a free kick. That shouldn't be the only reason that we keep him on the pitch is for his set piece ability. Yeah, um, of course. I mean, he he does flatter to deceive a little bit. Pereira because he's obviously come with a reputation and he wants to uh, he wants to redeem himself in his career as well at Fulham and by all accounts he's loving his time here um, and the goal he scored against Bournemouth obviously last weekend was fantastic it was a real opportunistic finish it was first time he knew exactly where he needed to be and obviously he's dispatched it so well but we need more of that from him and um, of course he's somebody that has an eye for a pass he's got He's got an excellent set piece from him, um, and it's something that we, we we've made good use of this this season. But I still think he is a player that needs to be pushed too, because I I, I completely agree that we don't necessarily have um, another out and out cam that can come on and, and and really fill fill the gap if if we're to take him off. I think Kearney could do it, but obviously he doesn't get about the pitch like Pereira does, and I don't think he'd press like Pereira would. Um, this is kind of where you're looking at, you know, even someone like Fabio Carvalho, if he stayed at the club, listen, if he stayed at the club, mm. he, he he would have heightened the sense of competition within the team near tenfold, you know, and I'm sure it would have probably gotten better out of Andreas Pereira as well, just to know that he's, uh, he's, he's got somebody literally knocking on the door to take his position. Um, and, We've got players like Harry Wilson, who's also got an amazing left foot on him. I mean, we haven't seen him score a free kick in a Fulham shirt yet, I don't believe. But he's still somebody that can put it on a plate for you. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I wouldn't necessarily keep him on the pitch just to take corners and to take speculative free kicks. We need more than that, um, and we need more from we need more from a number ten um, in virtually every aspect at the moment. I still think he's, his output isn't fantastic and we need to expect more from him if we're going to rely on him um as religiously as we uh, as we hope to um paul um i'm moving away from the questions just for a second because we didn't really touch on it in part one um cedric suarez in for kenny tete 
that seemed like a bit of an odd decision with Kenny Tete being fully fit, seemingly nothing wrong with him, just almost Marco Silva putting a bit of rotation in. Um, felt a bit unnecessary and I don't think Suarez did all that much to convince me that he should be anywhere near the team above um, Kenny Tete. I don't think he's a terrible player. I don't think it was a terrible performance, but I don't know, just seems that smacks of almost complacency for me. You know, it's the Premier League match. We need a win. Why, why are you not playing your absolute best 11? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, it was like a kind of decision if we won the last four or five and, you know, let, let's put him in. Um, yeah, very, very odd decision, and and Kenny Tetti is he's he's my player, and I, he's my favourite player in the in in the squad. I just yeah. think he's, he's brilliant. Seeing him on the page, you know, that he wasn't playing starting was a very strange. My heart kind of sunk, you know. So, yeah, odd decision. Yeah, I'm all for, I'm all for like understanding a little bit of rotation, and I would almost understand Robinson going out more because he is knackered. But Kenny Tetti didn't play for the Netherlands. He had two week break. He played one game against Bournemouth. I'm like. Why, why, why do we need to rotate Kenny? Just, just keep him in. He's been one of our best players this season. Um, slightly baffling position. Uh, back to the questions. Um, I just enjoy this one from Mark Holiday. There's not really a, a question to this, but he just says, when is handball not handball, but enough to possibly be handball and definitely handball? Uh, he then just uh, finishes off by saying, let's make it simple. Handball is handball. Um <laughs> <laughs> which I quite liked from, from Mark. Um, Ryan asks, uh, Farrell, um, any shot at beating our best point total in the Premier League, which was 53 points in 08-09. Seems like that's the only goal we can reach at this point. Um, I do not, Farrell, unless you have a different <laughs> opinion. See us getting 14 points out of the final nine games. Uh, I just, honestly, I'll, I'll take, if we got to 50, I'd be delighted at this, at this point. I, I think with it might be 45 might 46 i could see a win or two somewhere towards mm. the end of the season maybe when mitro's back but i know i don't want to sound so doom and gloom i'd always like this podcast to be a kind of a bit of a beacon of positivity if we can but it's just hard after yesterday and i just don't see any evidence of this changing well if you're looking for positivity you're not going to get it end the podcast end the club it's all over <laughs> <laughs> um i think it does sh- i think it does show if anything that how special that season was the fact that we got to and how rare it does you know happen for Fulham that you know we've seen this season as as you know minus the last few weeks as pretty special um and yet we're still not going to reach that we probably won't reach the heights of 53 points when it was really bloody good um I mean can it happen yeah of course we've actually got a pretty good run of games as you as you uh, alluded to earlier by City and Liverpool, but obviously our form isn't that good at the moment. We do need a slice of luck. We do need a change in form. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. We know this team can do it. Um, you know, I, I just <laughs> it's it's just something needs to go our way a little bit. Um, a Vinicius Howitzer, we'll see him absolutely. You know, dominate teams left, right, and centre. Um, a little bit of magic from from William to ca- recapture some of his form. Um, you know, a, a Tim Ream Bicey, anything just to go our way, <laughs> just to just to turn things around a little bit, and you know, just to reinvigorate the team a, a, a little bit because we need a new talisman while while Mitrovic is is uh, is you know shouting from the from the vantage point of the of of the cottage balcony. Um, hopefully his voice is is 
is reinvigorated and motivated to shout enough from one side of the kite, one side of the cottage to towards the hammy end goal. Yeah. Um, this one from Jamie K. I'd like all three of you uh, to give me your answer for this. He asks, question for the pod. Who would you prefer, Vinicius or Abubakar Kamara? <laughs> <laughs> I know my answer. Good que- it's a good que- uh, Farrell, I know my answer. It's a good question. I know mine. Go on, Farrell. I'm going to go with Carlos Vinicius. If I'm honest, I know, I know, I know that Cam is a bit of a uh, is an Abubakar Kamara. Uh, uh, he has Stand. he has a soft spot. He has a soft spot for the uh, for the firecracker Kamara. Um, but for me, I I think that Kamara has the has some game changing moments in him. You know, he has match winning pedigree. But did he do it enough? No, of course he didn't. He he dribbled the ball out of play by himself more than he did actually produce some good moments. I think Vinicius has more about him, more intelligence as as a footballer to swing it to swing it for me. Uh, Cam, it'll be AK forty seven hands down. Uh, <laughs> there's 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 method in the madness somewhere, and I know he was the most infuriating um, attacker to watch, but for me, he offers a hell of a lot more than what. Vinicius does even if you push him out wide you know that he's just going to he's going to he's going to steamroll fullbacks just just so he can get goal side so he can boot it into Rosette but at least <laughs> it kind of looked like he had a bit more animation about him and I trusted that and you can't take away his performance against QPR at home as well when Mitro is out mm. with those headers he's got more he's got more Premier League goals than Vinicius I assume oh yeah I, I think he has he got what yeah. he got what three in the Premier League that year yeah, I think he, he, it's not much, but he will probably have more. <laughs> took a couple of pe- took one of the best penalties ever at Old Trafford, didn't he? Um, oh yeah. All right, well, so so uh, Farrells uh, and, and Cam have made it one all between Vinicius and Abubakar Kamara, which means the casting vote goes to Paul Cooper. Is it Vinny or is it AK forty seven? It's AK forty seven. I mean, he can he can terrify the opposition. I think he terrifies. Uh, terrifies his own team as well, but you just never know. You know, he, he as you say, QPR is in that end when he scored the two goals and in the Putney end, and yeah, he played well that night. And we were one nil down as well, and we they they were starting to play. Yeah, he can turn it on, you know, and really dominate, which Vinicius can't. If it's for your entertainment value, I would absolutely pick AK forty seven over Vinicius. <laughs> by the way, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I've been trying to work out. Um... How uh, Abu Bakar Kamara is getting on this season? He plays for Aris uh, Thessaloniki um, in he, in Greece. Wasn't he at Olympiakos for like a couple of months? And they said, "No, we, we don't want you anymore. Can you go back to that team which no one's ever heard of?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swear he was at Olympiakos, and he just completely blew his opportunity. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, because he did. He went to Aris, I think, did quite well, actually, uh, last season. Scored 18-32, according to Wikipedia. Uh, played once for Olympiakos and then uh, had to go back to Aris. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, what the latest is with uh, with Abu, but maybe his, uh, 
current lack of exploits in Greece maybe actually uh, suggests that we've got slightly rose-tinted glasses when it comes to Abu. I think in this situation, I think personally it's like, obviously I think Vinicius is a better player than Abubakar Gamara. I think for me it's a case of in this system, I actually think that Abu would do a slightly better job because I think he'd be the big imposing person that we need at the top of our um attack in yeah. order to kind of bring everyone else and he, he was quite good at hold up play and bringing others into it and stuff but I think that Carlos Vinicius is a better footballer I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that I just don't think we play the right system for Carlos Vinicius I think he needs a I think he needs a foil um Carlos is my is my thinking on on him so yeah I, but I enjoyed that one Jamie um as soon as that question came in AK-47 is just like cocaine bear <laughs> you know, got, he's, you know, he, he, he would, he, he would just run the riot in this team. So, yeah. to be fair, to be fair, yesterday if Kamara came on, it would have been a game ripe for him. Just literally oh. trying to run straight through Aaron Cresswell at every opportunity. <laughs> I miss a bit of the unpredictability of uh, of Abbey. We got a good deal for him, though, money wise. I saw the uh, the logic to sell him when we did. We actually um, managed to get a decent sized fee from that Aris club um, for for him. So it was probably a smart move when we did. All right, that'll do for the podcast today. Uh, all we need to do uh, is name it so Farrell uh, what would you like to go for I'm gonna have to go for the Jay Griff Sue's hammer and fickle I think that was I think that's an excellent an excellent shout and also shout out to socialism as well yeah very 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 nice indeed <laughs> nice to get a nice like slightly political one uh in there as the uh, as the three word review um we'll be back on thursday uh looking ahead to the everton game we're also going to be looking into fulham's latest accounts as well um so if you're a, if you're a man that likes your finance then uh tune into thursday's podcast because it's going to get real interesting now again fulham's latest accounts are out uh, so we're going to look into what this might mean for fulham's uh, chances of signings uh, this summer, FFP, where that all comes into it. So uh, that's going to be a big topic on the midweek podcast. Thank you very much to my guest today, to Farrell Monk. Thank you. Thank you very much. To Cam Ramsey. Thank you. Nice one. Cheers. And Paul Cooper. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sammy. All right. Uh, have a good start to your week. Enjoy the rest of the bank holiday if you're here in the UK. Uh, and we'll catch you midweek. Hopefully, Fulham can uh, get back on the training pitch and, uh, and figure out that all uh, important plan B. But yeah, enjoy the rest of your Easter. Come on, you guys. Right.